Section 18 of U.S. Money versus Corporation Currency Aldrich Plan. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. U.S. Money versus Corporation Currency Aldrich Plan by Alfred Owen Crozier. Chapter 15, Part 2 The National Banking System Continued senator david b hill of new york a conservative but courageous patriot in a speech in the united states senate on august twenty fifth eighteen ninety three said quote, they the bankers inaugurated the policy of refusing loans to the people even upon the best security and attempted in every way to spread disaster throughout the land these disturbers these promoters of the public peril represent largely the creditor class, the men who desire to appreciate the gold dollar in order to subserve their own selfish interests, men who revel in hard times, men who drive harsh bargains with their fellow men regardless of financial distress, and men wholly unfamiliar with the principles of monetary science. End quote. This indictment was true in 1893, and it is true in 1912. If the banks by circular letter were now ordered to, quote, at once retire one-third of your circulation, bank currency, and call in one-half of your loans, end quote, and did so, it would take out of circulation among the people $250 million of currency, and force business borrowers to immediately pay up bank loans to a total of more than $10 billion it would put almost every businessman and 95% of all corporations into bankruptcy. One of the chief objects of the Aldrich plan is to be able to avoid the dangerous practice of sending broadcast to all banks even a secret circular letter ordering general contraction of currency and loans. The National Reserve Association will be able to force banks to contract bank loans, say $5 billion, simply by secretly contracting its corporate currency $500 million, thus shrinking the legal reserves of the banks and forcing the reduction of loans ten times as much. If $500 million of corporate currency is taken away from the people and cancelled, the people will withdraw $500 million from the banks for their daily pocket use. This reduces the legal cash reserves of the banks $500 million and forces the banks to call in $5 billion of credit loans. That will cause panic, wreck prices, and raise interest rates, the chief objects sought by Wall Street through the Aldrich Plan. There is reason to believe that the panic of 1873 was caused by the same interests to force through Congress the bills for the resumption of specie payments and the destruction of the remaining greenbacks and that the panic of President Jackson's day was caused to punish him and the country for abolishing the central bank. There is increasing general belief that the panic of 1907 was wholly artificial. It also came in the midst of the greatest industrial and financial prosperity the nation ever experienced. It is conceded that there was no natural reason for a panic, yet it came out of a clear sky and caught everybody but the big insiders, who months before had quietly unloaded hundreds of millions of securities on the people at high prices, and kept the proceeds as ready cash, which they later used in the midst of the panic they themselves had helped to create or intensify, to buy back from the stricken public the same securities at half price. The panic came in October 1907, after Wall Street, on October 4, 1906, at a meeting of bankers and others, had decided to put through Congress a measure creating a central bank to issue and control the entire public currency, and just before the opening of the session of Congress in December 1907, in which the central bank bill was promptly introduced. It is American history, the fact that every great panic has immediately preceded a very great joint effort by Wall Street and the big banks 
to put through congress legislation vastly increasing the profits and power of the banks and wall street this historic fact and knowledge that the interests if they desire easily can cause a serious panic through the stock exchange and by instigating runs on banks any day on an hour's notice whatever the general conditions may be and belief that they will not hesitate to do so if necessary to drive the people into forcing congress to hastily adopt the aldridge plan for the creation of a huge money trust impels this warning to the country to keep near shore financially and out of the clutches of the banks until wall street and the banks get what they want or are completely beaten in the impending struggle by the people it is likely to be a finish fight with no quarter asked or granted by either side right now every natural condition would justify expansion and steady increase of business banks have an abundance of money and rates are low yet things drag every one knows something is the matter but most people attribute it to the wrong causes the fact is that wall street and the banks are holding things back by main force they are beginning to tighten the financial screws there is plenty of money and credit but banks arbitrarily refuse to loan it generally to the extent necessary to cause proper resumption of business so long as they can keep people grumbling complaining they have a better chance to steer them into supporting the new and revolutionary aldridge plan when they are told that such plan adopted by congress positively is the only way to reform the situation and revive business then the banks may think possibly that it may be necessary to cause another panic or semi-panic to force the aldridge plan through congress and no doubt they consider it best not to be too much spread out before march four eighteen ninety three the big interests were quietly getting ready for the coming panic that no one else even dreamed of soon after that date in different parts of the country certain banks are said to have begun to apply the pressure on customers they are alleged to have explained as the reason that the existence of the sherman act of july fourteenth eighteen ninety on the statute books threatened the stability of the entire financial system and that if congress did not quickly repeal it there might be runs on banks bank failures and possibly a great panic or words to that effect this was enough to send customers who needed new bank accommodations or to renew maturing paper post haste to the local congressman or the senator with the imperative demand that such public servant at once get to work to avert the impending panic by repealing the silver purchasing clause of the sherman act the scheme seems to have worked cleveland called an extra session of congress and the bill was passed and on november one eighteen ninety three was approved the banks perhaps did not intend to have a real panic at least not one so severe they probably intended only to threaten panic and force action by congress and then let things quiet down and go on as before wall street however knew from its experience with the panic of eighteen seventy three and before the civil war that they were playing with fire that when influential bankers and financiers predict panic the people are likely to take them seriously and do the very thing certain to cause a real panic that is they withdraw and hoard deposits which forces banks to call in their loans quickly in large volume and this in turn causes businessmen to slaughter goods and prices to get money to pay up bank loans wrecking all prices and values closing factories plunging workmen by thousands into idleness and their families into distress and poverty in fact causing general demoralization panic ruin this is just what happened in eighteen ninety three wall street expected it and was ready with actual cash to buy in at nominal prices when the public was forced by the panic to sacrifice the banks got their share of the plunder the repeal of the silver purchasing clause and increase of government currency was stopped but wall street had to wait for its share 
the gold standard the banks however were loyal to the conspiracy they stood with wall street in the campaign of eighteen ninety six and on march fourteenth nineteen hundred wall street and its foreign bond-holding clients got their share of the plunder the adoption by congress of the single gold standard writer is not hereby attacking the gold standard or advocating its repeal that law is an accomplished fact nor is he favoring free and unlimited coinage of silver at sixteen to one he is a republican and never believed free silver coinage to be the proper remedy but he is trying plainly to state without political bias certain historic facts and seemingly fair deductions of great significance because such facts have a most important bearing tending to reveal the true character and methods of the national banking system and wall street and throw a flood of needed light upon the present attempt of these interests to still further increase their profits and power at the expense of the people joker in law gives millions to banks to pay the banks full measure for their truly great and unanimous political and lobbying efforts some additional good things were slipped into that gold standard act of march fourteenth nineteen hundred for instance banks thereafter were allowed to take out one hundred per cent instead of ninety per cent of bank note currency on the u s bonds deposited with the government as security for bank note circulation thus without investing a dollar or putting up any additional security the banks were given ten per cent more currency that they could loan to the people at six per cent the next year on june thirty nineteen o one the bank currency increased to three hundred fifty three million seven hundred forty two thousand one hundred eighty six dollars ten per cent of this representing the increase from ninety per cent to a hundred per cent currency equal to the face of the bonds is thirty five million three hundred seventy four thousand two hundred eighteen dollars this the banks loaned to the people at six per cent per annum after paying the one per cent government tax on the currency to cover expense of printing same etc the banks realized say five per cent or an extra net profit that year of one million seven hundred sixty eight thousand seven hundred ten dollars the bank currency doubled in ten years and there was outstanding october thirty first nineteen eleven seven hundred forty four million seventy one thousand seven hundred fifteen dollars ten per cent of this the difference between ninety per cent and one hundred per cent is seventy four million four hundred seven thousand one hundred seventy one dollars five per cent on this ten per cent of excess currency yielded the banks last year without one dollar of extra investment or additional deposit of securities increased net profits amounting to three million seven hundred twenty thousand three hundred fifty eight dollars this was enough to pay an extra annual dividend of one-third of one per cent on the entire capital stock one billion thirty two million six hundred thirty two thousand one hundred thirty five dollars of all the national banks in the united states adding the extra profit of nineteen o one one million seven hundred sixty eight thousand seven hundred ten dollars to that of nineteen eleven three million seven hundred twenty thousand three hundred fifty eight dollars and dividing the total five million four hundred eighty nine thousand sixty nine dollars by two we find that two million seven hundred forty four thousand five hundred thirty four dollars is the average yearly extra net profit derived by the banks from that simple little joker inserted in the gold standard act of march fourteenth nineteen hundred handled with his usual cleverness by that renowned reformer senator aldrich as chairman of the senate finance committee therefore in the ten years nineteen o one to nineteen eleven the confederated banks have received as a free gift by act of congress twenty seven million four hundred forty five thousand three hundred forty dollars that was a quid pro quo and a half for the banks no wonder the campaign funds of eighteen ninety six and nineteen hundred were ample 
and the patriotic zeal of the banks sufficient to ensure a political result that would make it possible for the banks to harvest these manifest blessings by means of a grant in due form passed by congress and signed by the president if the banks subscribed to campaign funds with the understanding that this law would be passed in effect it was a grant from the public treasury for political purposes before nineteen hundred after getting two per cent interest on the u s bonds deposited as security and six per cent for the use of the ninety per cent of security obtained thereon and deducting the one per cent government tax on the currency and other expenses the banks realized an extra net profit beyond six per cent for their money of between three-quarter and one per cent under the old law they would have realized a profit of six million two hundred thousand five hundred eighty eight dollars from issuing seven hundred forty four million seventy one thousand seven hundred ten dollars of bank currency but according to the comptroller's report they realized because of the change by the law of nineteen hundred about nine million nine hundred twenty thousand nine hundred forty six dollars or one and a third per cent profit an increase of three million seven hundred twenty thousand three hundred fifty eight dollars or sixty per cent in the net profits of the associated national banks from issuing bank-note currency and this without any extra cost or investment by the banks or the slightest benefit to the people or the government the above twenty seven million four hundred forty five thousand three hundred forty dollars shows only the extra profit of the banks in ten years without extra investment but the extra inducement of one hundred per cent instead of ninety per cent of currency given on deposited u s bonds caused the banks to increase bank currency from three hundred fifty three million seven hundred forty two thousand one hundred eighty six dollars in nineteen o one to seven hundred forty four million seventy one thousand seven hundred fifteen dollars in nineteen eleven a gain of three hundred ninety million three hundred ninety thousand five hundred twenty nine dollars the ordinary profit above six per cent on this gain in ten years was about fourteen million six hundred thirty seven thousand three hundred sixty dollars this added to the twenty seven million four hundred forty five thousand three hundred forty dollars the extra profit in the ten years due to increase from ninety per cent to a hundred per cent of currency makes a total of forty two million eighty two thousand seven hundred dollars extra profit realized in ten years by the banks over and above six per cent for their money as the direct result of the law of nineteen hundred or an average of four million two hundred eight thousand two hundred seventy dollars each year but that was not all of the good things for the banks in the gold standard act of march fourteen nineteen hundred united states notes and treasury notes were handicapped as against bank currency by the requirement that the government should spend one hundred fifty million dollars for gold to be held permanently to secure or redeem such government currency to maintain such gold reserve the secretary of the treasury was authorized and when necessary required to issue government bonds bearing interest not more than three per cent and payable principal and interest in gold coin to buy gold to replenish such gold reserve no limit as to the amount of such bonds that can be issued was fixed and the government has no option but must issue bonds whenever the gold reserve falls below one hundred million dollars and cannot be otherwise replenished the famous government bond trap is now set in cleveland's time the government was run in debt arbitrarily more than a quarter of a billion dollars by the gold gamblers of wall street and with the aid of the banks by use of the endless chain employed to repeatedly abstract the gold from the reserves of the federal treasury by the act of nineteen hundred the proceeding was made lawful and issuance of bonds made mandatory on the government at the right future time we shall see a renewal of raids on the treasury gold reserves for the purpose of again forcing the issuance of government bonds 
this will be done whenever the banks need more bonds to deposit to enable them to still further increase their bank currency and to prepare for this coming event the act of nineteen hundred repealed the old restrictions on the banks and they now can issue bank currency equal to their total capital stock or more than one billion of dollars there have been many times since the civil war when it was a problem to dispose of vast surplus revenues accumulated in excess of expenditures by the government it would have been possible long ago to have paid off with such excess revenues the entire balance of the outstanding bonds of the united states amounting on october thirty first nineteen eleven to nine hundred sixty three million three hundred forty nine thousand three hundred ninety dollars only the banks would not permit this to be done the banks now own about ninety per cent of all these government bonds if the government had thus paid all its bonds and got out of debt and stopped all annual interest expenses as it could and should have done that would have forced the retirement of the entire bank-note currency based on such bonds deposited as security amounting on october thirty first nineteen eleven to seven hundred seventy four million seventy one thousand seven hundred ten dollars and the substitution in its place of a government currency that would not yield rich profits to the banks every year as does the bank currency so the government is kept in debt nearly a billion dollars and forced to pay over twenty million dollars bond interest each year a total unnecessary interest cost since the civil war about equal to the entire present bonded indebtedness of the united states for no other reason than to enable the national banks to make a currency graft off the people amounting to less than ten million dollars annually and to enable this bank grab congress all these years has had to resort to all manner of reckless extravagance to spend the surplus revenues so much so that senator aldrich himself publicly declared that a proper and businesslike administration of the government would reduce expenditures three hundred million dollars annually this would have been done years ago but for the intrigue in congress by the banks and the manipulations of senator aldrich four years of such saving would have wiped out the entire national debt and enough over to create a permanent fund which invested at five per cent would have provided a continuous annual pension of ten million dollars for the banks or more than they realize from the currency privilege and it would save the government every year more than twenty million dollars now paid out for interest on bonds the u s bonded debt was reduced from one billion seven hundred ninety seven million six hundred forty three thousand seven hundred dollars in eighteen seventy nine to one billion twenty one million six hundred ninety three thousand three hundred fifty dollars in eighteen eighty seven and five hundred eighty five million twenty nine thousand three hundred thirty dollars in eighteen ninety two from eighteen eighty eight to eighteen ninety two two hundred thirty five million dollars surplus was expended buying up bonds not yet due the price going as high as one hundred thirty on the market this was during harrison's administration it was businesslike to use surplus revenues to extinguish the interest-bearing debt thus returning vast sums of money to the channels of trade it then looked as though uncle sam soon would be out of debt but the big banks ran the price up and forced the government to pay a bonus of about three hundred thousand dollars for each one million dollars of bonds to get the surplus back into circulation march one eighteen eighty nine the surplus over and above the one hundred million dollars gold reserve was two hundred thirty million three hundred forty eight thousand nine hundred sixteen dollars and twelve cents payments for bonds and other things reduced this to sixty two million four hundred fifty thousand five hundred seventy five dollars and eighteen cents on march four eighteen ninety three when cleveland was inaugurated the gold raid began immediately 
the banks gathered up greenbacks and presented them to the treasury demanding gold in sixty days they had reduced the gold reserve below the one hundred million dollar minimum the government issued fifty million dollars of bonds dated february one eighteen ninety four and thus got back this withdrawn gold the banks then gathered up more greenbacks and again took that same gold away from the government forcing the issuance of another fifty million dollars of bonds in november eighteen ninety four to get it back into the treasury these were five per cent ten-year bonds the banks kept on raiding the government's gold forcing two more bond issues sixty two million three hundred fifteen thousand four hundred dollars in february eighteen ninety five and one hundred million dollars in january eighteen ninety six thus the banks forced the government to increase its bonded debt two hundred sixty two million three hundred fifteen thousand four hundred dollars and at the end the government had but little more gold than at the beginning but it had an unneeded and injurious surplus on march one eighteen ninety seven of one hundred fifty seven million two hundred thirteen thousand six hundred thirty two dollars and eight cents besides the one hundred million dollar gold reserve the banks would have kept right on only secretary manning got disgusted and told the banks that if they kept raiding for gold he would give them silver that stopped the gold raid and the issuing of bonds the banks forced the government to pay several million dollars as a bonus in buying unmatured government bonds between 1889 and 1893 to get rid of an injurious surplus of 1889 $230,348,916 and between 1893 and 1896 by raiding the gold reserve the banks forced the government to accumulate an injurious surplus 1897, of $157,313,632, by selling $262,315,400 of high-interest, long-time U.S. bonds. The Act of March 14, 1900, provided for the refunding, instead of payment, of maturing U.S. bonds, the new bonds to be payable in not less than 30 years this reversed the regular policy of the government which had been to either pay maturing bonds or to issue bonds redeemable at the pleasure of the government after some short period thus the five-twenty bonds issued during the war were made redeemable at any time after five years but payable at the end of twenty years under this system the treasury could use its surplus revenues to pay off bonds at par instead of buying them in the market at a ruinous premium and the money would thus be restored to the channels of business as promptly as though deposited in the banks without interest although the banks would not make so much profit as the chief object of maintaining government according to the above official facts seems to be to legislate profits out of the pockets of the people and into the banks the plan least advantageous to the government and most profitable to the banks of course was adopted by the public servants republicans and democrats in congress who were trained to sneeze every time aldrich took snuff march one nineteen o one the net surplus was two hundred twenty nine million one hundred ninety six thousand three hundred twenty seven dollars and ninety cents much of this could and should have been used to pay maturing bonds but the bonds were refunded into thirty-year bonds and the surplus turned over to the banks for their use absolutely free increasing their loaning power more than a billion dollars and their possible annual profits sixty million dollars without one cent of cost to the banks the maturing bonds were to be due in 1904, 1907, and 1908. The law of 1900 voted a bonus of about one-fourth of one percent per annum from 1900 until due on these bonds. That sounds small, but on the nearly $550 million of public debt quickly refunded, 
the government paid out of the public treasury a bonus of nearly fifty million dollars on the old bonds and received less than two million dollars as a premium on the new bonds this enormous sum was a direct gift to the banks as they owned about ninety per cent of the bonds the treasury report of nineteen o four shows this refunding operation and claims a net profit of fourteen million two hundred forty five thousand eight hundred fifty one dollars for the government but in making the computation two hundred fifty seven million eight hundred thirty seven thousand six hundred forty two dollars of interest the government must pay on the new bonds before their maturity and after the expiration of the old bonds is ignored deducting the fourteen million two hundred forty five thousand eight hundred fifty one dollars of apparent profit from the two hundred fifty seven million eight hundred thirty seven thousand six hundred forty two dollar interest to become due and we get some idea of the net loss to the government when the panic of nineteen o seven occurred the government had a surplus of two hundred forty million dollars or nearly enough to have paid half of the principal of the bonds so coming due and refunded the unrefunded portion of the bonds maturing july one nineteen o seven instead of being paid fifty million dollars of the bonds were extended for twenty-three years at two per cent and the money in the big surplus that might easily have been employed in paying the public debt was deposited in the banks without interest this fifty million dollars left in the cash reserves of the banks enabled the banks to increase their loans of credit nearly a half billion dollars on which the banks got six per cent or other going rate to enable the banks to use that public money the government was obligated to pay twenty three million dollars interest before another opportunity to pay those fifty million dollars of bonds would arrive july one nineteen o seven was a time of great prosperity with no panic in sight or expected fifty million dollars to pay those matured bonds would have only slightly reduced the great two hundred forty million dollar surplus but it would have saved the government twenty three million dollars of future interest expense the only excuse offered was that if the bonds were paid the banks would not have enough bonds to keep their bank currency up to the profitable volume then enjoyed by the banks since the act of nineteen hundred the government through refunding operations has actually been saddled with interest obligations from which it cannot escape and which was unnecessary amounting to nearly three hundred million dollars for no other reason than to enable the national banks to keep afloat about seven hundred million dollars of bank-note currency from which the banks derive a net profit of about ten million dollars annually is it not high time to drive the national banks out of the government's business pay off our national debt abolish the bank currency and issue in its place full legal tender government currency backed by the government and an adequate reserve of gold no wonder the banks are anxious always to have a friendly secretary of the treasury as well as comptroller appointed by the president do they sometimes bargain for this in advance in exchange for their political support the origin and history of the national banking system impels the belief that if such a political bargain is not made it is not the fault of the profit-grabbing legislation-promoting banks the act of march fourteen nineteen hundred was indeed a gold-mine for the banks it contained another provision highly valuable for banks it legalized counting of gold certificates as part of the cash reserves of banks gold certificates are not lawful money because not legal tender therefore up to nineteen hundred they could not be counted as cash reserve of lawful money there is no reason why they should not be considered cash reserve every dollar of gold certificates is secured by a dollar's worth of gold held in the treasury but likewise there is no reason why gold certificates should not be made full legal tender so they could be used by the people for paying any debt 
now gold certificates are mere optional currency that anybody can refuse who cares to do so october thirty first nineteen eleven nine hundred three million three hundred sixty seven thousand nine hundred twenty nine dollars of gold certificates were in circulation the law of nineteen hundred made this good money for the banks to hold in their reserves so they could loan seven to ten times as much credit based thereon but it did not make it legal tender so the people could force its acceptance when tendered in payment of a debt the reason was that banks want to discredit government currency as much as possible to increase the use of bank currency and credit that yields profits to the banks this act of nineteen hundred has increased the supply of money available for bank reserves nearly a billion dollars and thus has increased the possible loaning power of the banks about ten billion dollars six per cent on the net gain of nine billion dollars shows the possible annual extra net profit for banks under this joker the act of march fourteen nineteen hundred was amended by the act of march four nineteen o seven this authorized a contraction of bank currency at the rate of nine million dollars per month it also reduced the tax on bank currency one-half to half of one per cent per annum when secured by two per cent u s bonds and under the refunding clause of the act of nineteen hundred most of the bonds already had been converted into two per cent bonds by the banks so this was a direct gift to the banks and not to induce a lower interest rate on u s bonds assuming that the entire seven hundred forty four million seventy one thousand seven hundred ten dollars of banknote currency out october thirty first nineteen eleven was based on two per cent bonds this reduction of the tax was another outright gift to the banks by act of congress amounting to an additional net profit of three million seven hundred twenty thousand three hundred fifty eight dollars per year without one dollar of extra cost investment or security by the banks and without a cent of benefit to the people or the government the banks found that the steel of nineteen hundred increasing by ten per cent the volume of bank currency and by sixty per cent the net profits of the banks from currency worked so well that in nineteen o seven they tried it again that time by having their tax to the government on such currency reduced half or to one half per cent and their extra profits so won under the law of nineteen o seven were about the same in amount as those obtained under the act of nineteen hundred by the increase from ninety per cent to one hundred per cent in the quantity of currency obtainable on deposited bonds the act of nineteen o seven also made national banks depositories and required the government to deposit public monies in national banks without requiring banks to pay a cent of interest on such deposits millions upon millions of public funds were thus obtained by the banks and each million of lawful money so deposited enabled the banks with no extra investment or cost to increase their loans of credit ten million dollars during the panic of nineteen o seven which was caused by these interests seven months after the act of march four nineteen o seven had given them the rich extra profits described above most of the banks repudiated their deposit obligations refused to pay on demand frightened by the increasing danger to their own institutions they appealed to the government begging it to save them from threatening ruin which the government generously did the secretary of the treasury dumped into the banks nearly all of the two hundred forty million dollars cash balance in the treasury in fact at one time the government had in its own hands only a cash balance of two million dollars and would not have had a dollar if certain vouchers executed and due had not been held up arbitrarily about one hundred twenty million dollars was turned over to new york city banks by the government increasing the loaning power of such banks more than a half billion dollars yet the banks never paid the government one cent for use of this money for actual salvation 
but used much of it to increase the financial ability of inside operators so they could acquire cheap the securities the artificial panic forced the public to sacrifice if the government had not possessed that large sum of ready money or had refused to surrender it to the banks it is likely a majority of all national banks would have shut their doors or become legally bankrupt and now in return for thus rescuing the entire banking system from danger if not from destruction and for all these rich privileges conferred by the laws of the land the banks have joined wall street in a selfish conspiracy to rob the government of its constitutional power to issue the public currency that a monopoly of all money and credit may be gained by the banks through a single private corporation owned by the banks the national reserve association we now come to the aldrich emergency currency act of may thirtieth nineteen o eight senator aldrich in that bill tried to remove the prohibition against contracting bank currency more than nine million dollars per month so as to allow sudden and unlimited contraction he only struck out that provision of his bill after it had been exposed by the reading in open senate of a petition signed by writer denouncing the scheme as a joker if aldrich had not withdrawn that provision it would have been possible suddenly to contract and destroy the seven hundred million dollars bank currency as well as five hundred million dollars emergency currency a total of one point two billion dollars or more than a third of all money and over half of all in circulation this wide and sudden contraction would force the calling of loans by the banks wholesale demoralize business wreck prices and cause general panic the present aldrich plan contains this power of unlimited contraction in even more dangerous form aldrich was also forced to eliminate the plan designed to make a market for hundreds of millions of railroad bonds specifically which wall street desired to unload on the banks at high prices after buying them from the public during the panic at low prices this was to be the entering wedge looking to the ultimate substitution of wall street made bonds in place of government bonds as security for banknote currency which again would have increased the net profits of the banks said act did authorize the banks affiliated in currency associations to issue five hundred million dollars additional currency on security other than government bonds for the benefit of banks in emergencies in fact any kind of securities including commercial paper could be used by a bank to obtain emergency circulation for seventy five per cent of the market value of such currencies and ninety per cent of the value of municipal bonds this act allows banks to issue currency equal to both the capital and surplus instead of the capital only this more than doubled the currency issuing power of the banks for their aggregate surplus exceeds their aggregate capital this emergency measure allows a bank to convert so large a portion of its securities and paper into currency that it makes banks reasonably safe protects them against injury during panics but does not this very fact make it likely that panics will be more frequent if now banks are made immune because the interests in a panic can buy back securities from the public at half price so long as panics to a certainty will harm or endanger the banks the giant power of the banks will be exerted to prevent panics except when panics may be necessary to force through congress legislation desired by the banks once fix it as proposed by the national reserve association so that banks always can quickly and completely protect themselves against danger due to withdrawals of deposits by panic frightened depositors by enabling them instantly to convert their assets into practically an unlimited amount of currency supplied by law with which to meet runs and pay off depositors on demand and we may expect to find the banks thereafter more indifferent about panics will not the big banks desire panics occasionally so that they can raise interest rates and buy securities at cut rates 
what the country needs is legislation not to make banks safe and sound during panics but to remove altogether the practices in wall street and the conditions in the banking system that always tend to cause financial disturbances and panics the aldrich plan seeks only to protect the banks and make banks panic proof it does not make the country proof against panics in fact it grants to the national reserve association power to cause panic any time by contracting the currency which in turn instantly forces contraction of bank credit or loans ten times as much this may be ruinous to borrowing businessmen and corporations force slaughter of securities and commodities smash prices close factories and cause distress and panic unless the causes of panics and the means used to create them can be abolished congress surely should leave the laws so that the banks will have just as much to lose by panics as individuals leave the banks in the same boat with the people and corporations banks can somewhat restrain wall street the people cannot this is the very best insurance against panics possible to obtain until the country is ready resolutely to grapple with wall street and the banks to remove for all time the well-known panic inciting evils it was reported that in an address before the merchants and manufacturers association at milwaukee on january thirty nineteen twelve robert w boinge a member of the national monetary commission said quote, the united states has forty per cent of the banking wealth of the world and yet it is the only country that has a banking system that collapses at the first sign of a panic we have a system of banks which as soon as they see a speck upon the horizon draw within themselves and we have a situation similar to that of nineteen o seven in 1907 we had more than one billion dollars of gold actually on hand but we were forced to go to the bank of england to beg it to come to our rescue we had the resources but we had no affiliations of our banks to cooperate to meet the situation our present system of bond security currency is most unscientific the time may come when the national debt is paid off and then there will be no issue of currency regardless of the business conditions of the country then again we might become involved in a big international war when we would have a big issue whether we need it or not the time has come when we must change our entire monetary system End quote. this severe indictment of the national banking system is true but he should have said that the bankers alone are to blame because they framed and have jealously kept the system in force for forty-eight years when the banks have so signally failed shall we now allow congress to turn the whole thing over to the discretion of the banks public currency and all the system must be changed but the new should be a public institution not a private bank trust we should not jump out of the frying pan into the fire the national banking system in its provisions was dictated by bankers for the benefit of bankers since eighteen sixty four the banks have caused the defeat of every bill designed to strengthen and improve the system it has blocked in congress changes recommended in the interest of depositors and the public made by every united states comptroller of the currency during forty years every material amendment of the law has been at the demand of the banks for their own benefit they have fought steadily to maintain that system and increase its profits and powers by acts of congress but now with one voice the bankers condemn their system as inelastic inefficient panic inspiring and dangerous why just because the aldrich scheme will greatly increase the power and profit of the banks and therefore they are trying to frighten the people into forcing congress to adopt this new experiment depositing government funds in banks has largely been a matter at the discretion of secretaries of the treasury if the trail was followed and all facts laid bare 
it would be a welcome thing if during some administrations a condition was not uncovered reeking with favoritism bank intrigue political bargaining official delinquency if not graft and crime during the past forty years hundreds of millions of dollars have been handed over to the banks for their use absolutely free and even now since nineteen o eight only a nominal one per cent per annum is paid for the use of government deposits that enable the banks to increase their credit loans four to ten times such deposits it would be worth the cost of an investigation if it could be shown that such deposits have not been used for political purposes and their disposal had no connection with the well-known fact that so many treasury officials and their subordinates leave the public service to accept highly profitable bank positions it would be a splendid tribute to official honesty if the record proved clear for evidence is abundant that there is no length to which some big banks would not go to increase profits the whole system of dealing between the banks and the government during forty-eight years has been of a character that no sane business man would employ in his private business in eighteen sixty four national banks were an infant industry the government was generous to its offspring from the start but as the infant has grown in size it refuses even at forty-eight years of age to be weaned and it has attained such strength on the profits it has nursed from the government that it is a question whether the parent now has power to wean this profit-hungry corporate monster the biggest congressional bank graft has yet to be described by the act of june three eighteen sixty four national banks were charged a duty or tax of one per cent per annum on such banknote currency as they issued this was nominal because they got the six per cent interest on the deposited bonds and also six per cent to ten per cent for the currency loaned to the people that law also required national banks to pay each year one-half per cent on their total average deposits and on the portion of their capital in excess of their holdings of government bonds this was a franchise tax paid for the monopoly and the rich privileges granted by law under which banks receive the deposits of the people advertise their institutions as united states depositories and make loans of credit at six per cent or other going rate aggregating four to ten times their cash assets or reserves from eighteen sixty four to eighteen eighty two the national banks paid government taxes on circulation fifty two million two hundred fifty three thousand five hundred eighteen dollars on deposits sixty million nine hundred forty thousand sixty seven dollars on capital seven million eight hundred fifty five thousand eight hundred eighty seven dollars total one hundred twenty nine million forty nine thousand four hundred seventy three dollars for eighteen eighty one the tax on deposits was four million nine hundred forty thousand nine hundred forty five dollars and on capital four hundred thirty one thousand two hundred thirty three dollars for eighteen eighty two and to june one eighteen eighty three on deposits eight million two hundred ninety five thousand seven hundred seventeen dollars on capital seven hundred seven thousand seven hundred fifty one dollars this was besides the internal revenue stamp tax on bank checks and drafts put on as a war measure and which the banks forced their customers to pay by act of march three eighteen eighty three the war stamp tax was abolished but that was not all the banks got a provision in the same act abolishing their ordinary tax on deposits and on capital this completely exempted national banks and bank assets from all federal taxation they only had to pay the special one per cent on such currency as they might issue the loss to the government and gain to the banks by this one little legislative act was enormous and the government and the people did not get one penny of benefit if that law had not been repealed the government would have received from the banks in nineteen eleven thirty three million four hundred twenty four thousand dollars 
as one half percent tax on six billion six hundred eighty four million eight hundred thousand dollar deposits and five million forty thousand dollars on one billion eight million one hundred eighty thousand two hundred twenty five dollars capital total tax for nineteen eleven thirty eight million four hundred sixty four thousand nine hundred one dollars during the twenty nine years eighteen eighty three to nineteen eleven deposits averaged each year three billion twenty four million dollars a taxable total of eighty seven billion six hundred ninety million four hundred thousand dollars and capital averaged six hundred eighty million dollars a taxable total of nineteen billion seven hundred nineteen million dollars thus a grand total of one hundred seven billion four hundred nine million four hundred thousand dollars escaped the one-half per cent tax a direct saving to the banks and a direct loss to the government of five hundred thirty seven million forty seven thousand dollars more than a half billion dollars or enough to pay off and cancel about sixty per cent of the entire bonded debt of the united states that prodigious sum was voted by congress out of the pockets of the people and into the pockets of the associated national banks without the slightest justice reason necessity or benefit to the people or the government a direct gift by law to the banks obtained either by skilful lobbying or political and legislative corruption and crime and so long as congress continues to allow the banks to shape the banking and currency legislation of the united states so that the seven thousand three hundred thirty one national banks can go on collecting interest on ten billions of dollars with but one billion of cash capital invested paying the government not one dollar for the privilege and protection granted just so long the banks will save and the government and the people will lose the thirty eight million or more dollars of taxes the banks would be paying annually if they had not put through congress that sinister legislation why should national banks be exempt while other corporations and individuals must pay heavy taxes there is no higher duty upon congress than to end this half-century of bank graft and crime it must be expected that the banks will threaten panic and ruin and they may even inflict it on the country if any panic comes the banks will cause it if they do it the people will break every bank and fill every prison with lawless bankers the people will fight fire with fire the tyranny of the banks must be broken right now or the people forever will be mere abject slaves of a merciless cruel and criminal incorporated bank combine there can be no compromise the campaign of nineteen twelve will for all time determine whether the people or wall street and the banks are to rule this republic is there anything in this history of the national banking system that will justify congress in now taking away from government and granting for fifty years to a corporation owned by the banks a monopoly of the issuing and control of the volume of the entire public currency absolute control of the lifeblood of all business we wonder how long the people are going to remain asleep to the fact that for fifty years in one way or another the confederated banks and wall street as a great and greedy incubus on the government have been constantly grafting and plundering the nation and the people under acts of congress of their own creation every year in greater degree and all the time treating with utter contempt the government and its laws by violating every restriction and every civil and criminal statute made to regulate the banks in the interest of the public how long are the people going to tolerate such things no wonder these special privilege interests have such contempt for the people we hear a great deal about too much politics in business these striking facts from the official records and statutes seem clearly to show that since eighteen sixty four there always has been too much business in politics any impartial student must see that the national banking system has been the great organized source of political corruption and legislative wrongdoing 
that by clever and subtle means it has continuously robbed the public treasury and the people of untold millions under forms of law procured through their improper influence and activity that uniformly during nearly half a century it has sought and usually obtained legislation vastly increasing the powers and profits of the banks and has successfully blocked all legislation proposed for the benefit of the public imposing restriction or regulation upon the banks to increase their soundness and efficiency end of section eighteen